0: Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one but two events in history today. On with the show. Hi, I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history day by day. The day was March 5th, 1770. British troops were occupying Boston, Massachusetts in an effort to enforce Britain's tax laws, which American colonists were not fans of. So tensions were already high in the city. But on this snowy night in Boston, the conflict escalated as a street brawl turned into a bloody fight between British soldiers and American colonists. Several people died and more were injured The battle, which came to be known as the Boston Massacre, gave colonists even more of a reason to oppose British rule and was one of the first steps toward the American Revolution. At the time, no taxation without representation was a guiding sentiment for the American colonists, who weren't happy with being taxed by a parliament that lacked American representation. The colonists also were not cool with taxes whose point was to raise money rather than regulate commerce. So in 1765, when Parliament passed the Stamp Act to impose a tax on all paper documents in the colonies, the colonists responded with violence. Parliament ended up repealing the Stamp Act in 1766, But it also issued a declaratory act that said it had the authority to pass any colonial legislation it wanted to, and the colonies had to cooperate. Clearly, British Parliament hadn't learned its lesson. That was made exceedingly clear when Britain passed the Townsend Acts in 1767. The Acts imposed duties on British China, glass, lead, paint, paper, and tea imported to the colonies. So, in response to the new tax policies, American colonists began protesting and boycotting British goods. Patriot colonists, who opposed the taxes and objected to British rule, even vandalized stores that sold British goods and intimidated their merchants and customers. Since conditions in Boston were getting out of control, Britain decided to send troops to the city to restore order. And the Redcoats, or British foot soldiers, began arriving in Boston on October 1st, 1768. The soldiers overwhelmed the city, numbering more than 2,000 by 1769 among just 16,000 Boston residents. Never known for being submissive or quiet, patriots often got into scuffles with the occupying soldiers. Patriots even got into fights with Loyalists, or American colonists who were loyal to the British crown. On February 22, 1770, Patriots attacked a Loyalist store. A customs officer tried to shut down the commotion by firing his gun, and he ended up killing an 11-year-old boy. And on March 2nd and 3rd, British troops and a group of Boston rope makers went toe-to-toe with each other. Word spread that the British Redcoats wanted to duke it out with the colonists and that the colonists wanted to fight the soldiers. This was the level of hostility in Boston when fights broke out on March 5th, 1770. That evening, a wig maker's apprentice named Edward Garrick yelled at British Captain John Goldfinch, saying Goldfinch hadn't paid for his wig. Goldfinch ignored Garrick. But British Private Hugh White, who had been on duty near the customs house on King Street, butted in to defend Goldfinch. White said that Goldfinch was an honorable man who would always pay his debts. But Garrick wasn't hearing it and kept hurling insults. So White hit Garrick in the head with his musket, knocking him down. Bystanders rushed to Garrick's aid, throwing snowballs. And as more people joined the fight, Violence escalated. White took cover at the Custom House and loaded his weapon. British Captain Thomas Preston and seven soldiers ventured into the brawl, which was hundreds of people strong. They set up in a semicircle, with their bayonets out. The mob kept throwing objects at the soldiers. Preston ordered the soldiers not to fire. as a man named Crispus Attucks grabbed soldier Hugh Montgomery's bayonet, Montgomery fell, fired his musket, and told others to fire, too. Attucks was shot and died. Colonist Samuel Gray also died at the scene. Sailor James Caldwell was also killed. Samuel Maverick and Patrick Carr later died from their wounds. Six others were injured. Boston and neighboring towns that were already full of tension erupted with fury. Over the next few weeks, competing narratives of the Boston Massacre emerged. The British soldiers who were involved in the shootings did go to trial, but Captain Preston was found not guilty, and six of the soldiers were acquitted because it was found they had acted in defense. The two other soldiers were found guilty of manslaughter. But even after the trials were over, the effects of the shootings resounded in the growing calls for American independence. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about the Boston Massacre, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called The Boston Massacre. And if you're so inclined, you can follow us at Podcasts on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for joining me today. See you same place, same time tomorrow. Hello everyone, I'm Eves. Welcome to this day in history class, where we take a tiny bite of history every day. The day was March 5th, 1904. Physicist Nikola Tesla attempted to explain ball lightning. To this day, the phenomenon of ball lightning has not been explained. People have been seeing ball lightning for centuries. It appears as orbs of light of varying colors, and it usually shows up during thunderstorms. Sometimes it comes down from the clouds, sometimes it just materializes in the air, and sometimes it enters a room through a window. The phenomenon lasts for a few seconds to several minutes, and in some old accounts, it was described as leaving behind a foul odor. Some people have claimed to see it inside their homes when no thunderstorm was occurring. And during World War II, aircraft pilots saw what they called Foo Fighters, or UFOs and unexplained atmospheric phenomena. Some of their sightings resembled ball lightning, One of the first recorded observations of ball lightning occurred in 1638 in England. According to eyewitness accounts, people were gathered for a Sunday service in the church of St. Pancras. During a thunderstorm, a quote, great ball of fire burst into the church, ripping apart the roof and a window. Old accounts also attribute deaths to ball lightning. Still, scientists have been skeptical about the existence of the phenomenon. But there were others who attempted to explain ball lightning and to recreate it in the lab. Inventor and engineer Nikola Tesla was one of those people. On March 5, 1904, Tesla attempted to explain the phenomenon in the publication Electrical World and Engineer. The communication was titled The Transmission of Electric Energy Without Wires. In it, Tesla said, quote, I never saw fireballs, but as compensation for my disappointment, I succeeded later in determining the mode of their formation and producing them artificially. Tesla aimed to use the phenomenon to transmit telegraph and voice signals, as well as electrical power itself through the air. Though there have been plenty of theories about what it is and how it forms, ball lightning has not been scientifically explained. It's been proposed that ball lightning is made up of photons. It's also been suggested that the phenomenon is a small black hole. Another theory says that ball lightning is just a hallucination caused by the sensory experience of being near a lightning strike. Evidence of ball lightning relies on personal sightings. Researchers have claimed to capture recordings of the phenomenon happening in nature, but it largely remains a scientific mystery. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you've seen any good history memes lately, you can send them to us on social media at TDIHC Podcast. Or you can go the old fashioned route and send us an email at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We'll see you again tomorrow.